श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्री शिदाव जी को पाल की जाए गोर भक्तवृंद की जाए गोर प्रेम आनंदे हरिभो So we're continuing our discussion of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and we come tonight to the fourth chapter of the first division, the eastern section of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. As G. Rupa Goswami has conceived this book as an ocean of Bhakti Rasa and it divided it into different sections. So this section contains four, ch- four chapters, and this is the fourth of them, the final chapter in this section. The first chapter was about Bhakti the nature of bhakti, defining bhakti, uttam bhakti. And the second chapter was about sadhana bhakti. And therein, in defining sadhana bhakti and describing the um, eligibility for treading the path of sadhana bhakti, it's, uh, well, I should say, um, the uh, different limbs of sadhana bhakti are described and the third chapter is about bhava bhakti and Rupa Goswami explains the need for these three types, I should say the commentators too, of divisions of bhakti, bhakti in practice, bhakti in ecstasy, and bhakti in Love of God or Prem, so that is the subject of tonight's talking points. <laughs> uh, and uh, the first verse, Samyan, Masnita Svanto, Mamata, Mamat Bhattai Shankitaha, Baba Saeva Sandratma. When Baba, it was discussed in the previous chapter, becomes extremely condensed, it is called Prem by the learned persons. It softens the heart completely and produces extreme possessiveness of the Lord in the devotee. Prior to uh, this chapter, in the first chapter, there is a description of the six characteristics of Uttam Bhakti. And um, they correspond progressively with the three stages of Bhakti. As to say they manifest first in two, two characteristics, two of the first six in Sadhana Bhakti. And those two are the removal of uh, suffering, Kleshagni and Shubhada bringing of auspiciousness. These two are then carried on into bhava-bhakti, wherein two more characteristics of uttam-bhakti are found, that um, those of, uh, well, the, the idea that bhakti makes liberation um, seem insignificant in comparison. Moksha, Lagutukrit, and Sudulava, the rarity of attainment of bhava is discussed. And when we come to Prem Bhakti, then these four are present in Prem Bhakti, along with two other ones. And that is uh, a 
condensed, very condensed happiness. And Sandra uh, Anatma and and um, Krishna Akashini. Prem Bhakti has the power to attract Krishna and his his associates, his devotees, to attract, to to uh, get their sympathy, to overwhelm them. Hmm? So these um, are all, as I mentioned, described in the first chapter. So maybe we discuss those in, in brief as part of our discussion of of brain. Hmm. There's a quantitative measurement that Rupa Goswami brings to bear in terms of describing the happiness of Prem Bhakti. Uh, he compares it to, literally, to a half of a day of Brahma spent in Samadhi. Half, if you could spend the half a day of Brahma is, is a long time, hmm? and uh, to spend it in samadhi would be a pretty deep trance, hmm? which would imply that you were satisfied hmm? and not uh, not distracted by anything. Hmm? But he says that if you were to take that half a day of Brahma over any millions of years, that is in yoga samadhi hmm? and you were to multiply the trillion fold it doesn't compare to a tiny atomic particle of the happiness found in prem now this is a very odd statement in a sense because when we get when we go from the happiness of material life in which there are varieties culminates in the in in the heavenly idea hmm, there uh, when we go from there to beyond the to the power of the hmm, to transcendence then suddenly bliss becomes unlimited hmm. how can you measure the bliss of Brahman still he's making a quantitative measurement and comparison to try to emphasize the uh, the, the difference in this regard between uh, other forms of transcendence short of Prem and Prem itself. Um, but that said, um, the quality of the uh, Ananda is, is definitely... Uh, different because there are other factors involved. Mm-hmm. If we take Atmananda, for example, the uh, the joy of the self. Mm-hmm. This in itself exceeds all the happiness of material existence put together. I've said before that if you were able to take all of the material happiness, all of the sense pleasure that you could possibly that could be experienced, and put it in one big syringe and inject yourself with it, it wouldn't compare in the least to the happiness of the self. The self is, Jiva Goswami is described in his Satsandarva, is the object of love in the world. I've often said that we love a thing because 
the idea of loving a thing involves the fact that we extend ourselves into the thing, we identify with the thing as ours, and thus it is not the house or the car hmm, or the other person even, as much as it is our self that we've projected into the thing that you know, that causes us to call him mine or her mine or the house mine, my country, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So the my is a big, big word with big implications, although it's small. And in terms of letters, it has big implications. Hmm. And um, but the idea here, of course, as I'm saying, is that is that we love a thing because we've identified with it, and the self is subjective. So is a, is a it's a unit of subjectivity, I should say, and and it's objectively real, but it's a unit of subjectivity, and it extends itself into the objective world, and it it therefore the idea of Jiva Goswami is that it is the um, object of love in the world. People love themselves, and this is not a I mean, I'm speaking in a narcissistic way, but in a in a philosophical, metaphysical sense, that the self is is lovable, and um, and why so? Because unlike matter, which is asat achit and nirananda, it is sachit ananda. So it has ananda in it, and it's cognizant, and it endures sachit ananda, and matter by comparison, is the opposite. So its forms come and go, and it's not cognizant of itself, and uh, neither is it uh, of the nature of joy. Hmm. So how can we love it? Hmm. Hmm. How can it give back, in other words? Hmm. So we're really interacting with with ourself, in a sense. Hmm. And... It, being a unit of Ananda, has, it's lovable. Hmm? But the Atmananda, self-love, in a pure and philosophical, metaphysical sense, which is selfless, which would translate out into the beginning of real loving in this world, hmm? rather than identifying ourself with something and someone and um, thereby entering into a relationship with it, seeing it for what it is, hmm? seeing the self for what the self is, and so forth. As I've often said, detachment is is kind of the first step in the direction of loving, properly understood. Hmm? Um, And we learn this even in psychology, that we're we're told, try to be full in yourself. Before looking for a relationship, uh, you know, how possible that is is limited. Obviously, as I'm speaking about it, but the concept is there. Modern psychology—it's been understood. Hmm? So we're just extending this principle a little further, hmm? uh, based on the worldview—a worldview, ours in which consciousness is what it is—is is independent of matter. It's, it's a unit of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. So. Again, the more one is self-satisfied, self-complete, and full in oneself, 
then you can, as as we, as it is true psychologically, then you can you can give. And relationships are about giving and sacrificing and so forth. This is what you do with 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 love. So, in a deep deeper sense, then those who know the self, they are in the best position to. To, to love in the world. They've taken a huge step away from exploitation, that the bodily identification, psychological and biological identification, is uh, unavoidably involves us in. Unavoidably. We identify with the body-mind complex, then as it has needs, we have needs. Hmm. And so a needy person is hampered in terms of giving. Hmm. A full person is in a better position to give, and love is about giving. So um, a basic point of our teaching. And so Atmananda, self-love, is that's very extraordinary. Hmm. And it... it in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami acknowledges that it is attainable by means other than bhakti. I think maybe Socrates, from the histories, is, is an example of a kind of a jnani, a thoughtful, introspective person. I don't know the history much of Socrates, but I've heard a little bit. Hmm. I don't know if it's true, but I heard they wanted to kill him, and he said, first you have to find me. You want to kill me? Something to that effect, and he was sitting right in front of them. So he had a sense of a self that was invisible to the naked eye that he was experiencing and identified with and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's considered a wise wise person, Mm -hmm. self-knowing. So this is an extraordinary um, feat or an extraordinary... Thing to arrive at in a world where everyone is, is is seeking, trying to find out meaning, purpose, and so forth, which we will say is to try to find the self, and it can be arrived at by means other than bhakti, but atmananda, or um, to use an English term, self-realization, atmananda means uh, happiness of the self, or atmaram. Sometimes the word is used. Takes pleasure in the self. Only self-realization is not, from the Gaudiya uh, perspective, a liberated position. <clears throat> that is another thing. Uh, even though the self is is different from matter, hmm? to know yourself, to be an atmaram. Um, is one thing. But to transcend birth and death and end that cycle, uh, one must go another step. So, typically, the Atmaram um, who has arrived at such by means other than bhakti seeks to then attain a status in transcendence beyond birth and death, that is bhakti light at, at, at best, if you will. 
So by by some form of bhakti, according to the Hindu sacred text, some form of bhakti, some Krishna says it in the Gita. Hmm. So this is our standard of knowledge, these sacred texts, properly understood and dynamically so in the light of the times in which we live. But Krishna's statement is very important to us. He says that, um, and this is just one of many, but he personally says it, that um, Mama Maya Durateya. And Prabhupada translates to Durateya insurmountable. So, my Maya is insurmountable. But those who surrender to me, then they can cross over it. Vishnu Chakvitagura in his commentary, I believe he says that Krishna's pointing to his chest. My Maya, only vice. If I give the, the clearance, only if I give the passport or the visa, here in our discussion self-realization would be the passport. Hmm? So you can have a passport, but that doesn't mean that you can enter into the next country. Hmm? Uh, you may need a visa as well. So uh, that you have to go to the, to the house of Bhakti to get a visa, since, at least in some way. Hmm? Um, I mean to say, not Uttam Bhakti, not the kind of Uttam Bhakti necessarily that, that Rupa Goswami is, is uh, explaining here in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Sattviki Bhakti, for example. And so from Atmaram, Atmananda to Brahmananda. Hmm. And that's a huge step. Hmm. So to identify oneself as an atomic particle of Satchitananda with the, if you will, the reservoir of Satchitananda. And having moved from the material sense of self, we move away from, largely from the false individuality of material existence that we pride ourselves in, but that keeps us, to one extent or another, at odds with one another, or unable to enter into the unity that, that, that love is about. Hampered to some extent. As I often say, well, we, you know, in love we want to come together, but we want our own space to some extent too. Hmm. The beautiful statement of Kavi Karnapur uh, uh, through his pen, Radharani speaks and says, those who say, I love you, know nothing about love. Because in love, there's no you. There's no I. Hmm. There's a we. Hmm. There's, in it, it, she means that uh, you and I become Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> this is the idea. Radha Krishna Pranaye Vikriti Ladini Shakti Rasmat Ekatmano Vapi Bhuvi Puradeham Vedogato Chaitanya Kyam. Radha and Krishna, Krishna's one becomes two as Radha, the two become one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. So that's the high thing. Now we're going to the high end. We are starting at the low end. Material happiness and self-realization, self-happiness, Atmaram. But when we move away from the material happiness and the false individuality, we move towards the unity that underlies all of that, the sea out of which islands of material existence come and go, if you will. 
Um, and so we move towards a unity from, from a diversity that's problematic to unity. Of course, as I said, we, we, we desire really both equally. We desire unity and we desire diversity. And we desire them at the same time. And this is, of course, the teaching of Chaitanya Mahabhun. It's really what, what love is, is, is thought to be about, ultimately. So, moving away from the false diversity to self-realization and the underlying unity, we're no longer at war with one another, we're at peace, and, and with a little bhakti, help from bhakti, we can enter into Brahman. Hmm. And Brahman is Godhead. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdite. Hmm. Um, there, non differentiated, Satchit Ananda. Hmm. And the difference between that feature of the Absolute and Bhagwan, and Bhagwan Sri Krishna in particular, hmm, is that. Krishna is the condensed Satchitananda. Condensed. So it takes a shape. And similarly, the happiness of self-realization, the happiness of Brahman realization, the happiness of being in trance for half of a life of Brahma. Anyway, you want to t- talk about it. The point is that there's something different hmm, that makes the preem different, and that is that the object of love, which was the self, which was the source of the self, Brahman, hmm, in bhakti, takes a shape, hmm, and it it affords then a capacity for reciprocating that Brahman doesn't. And it affords a differentiation within the unity that Brahman doesn't unto itself. So arguably you've got the full face of love when you have this unity and diversity. In other words, a, a spiritual personality arises out of identification with Bhagwan through bhakti. Just as a, spirit, a material personality and differentiation and variety arises by identifying with the Maya Shakti. But this differentiation in transcendence is of an eternal nature. It's constituted of the Srup Shakti and so forth. So the Srup Shakti has come into play in a prominent, prominent way. Hmm? Bhagwan has a form, shape, he has Leela, hmm? and there's a possibility of love that far exceeds the possibility of love of the confined in Atmanam. And there is love there, I gotta say. Yuga Goswami said this, the self is object of love in this world. So we love ourself. Hmm? Or we should. We should know what the self is, of course. So the capacity to love is, in, is enhanced. It's, it's difficult to argue against that. And therefore, the, the, the measure or the quality hmm, uh, of the happiness hmm, is arguably... Uh, increased hmm, or improved hmm, qualitatively, quantitatively. Very simple example: if you if you if you if you 
love yourself and then you want to share it with someone our capacity to love is 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 enhanced by the by sharing with others in brahman there is no other to be experienced really so this is the idea he has a he doesn't play this out but i mean this is the basic argument how can you say if someone may from a sectarian point you say how can you say the brain you know exceeds a million fold a tiny particle of 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 brahman which is completely satisfying and uh, and uh, transcendent to material existence of a different quality of happiness than the material happiness altogether, and so on and so forth. So we have our answer. Hmm? It's very practical. There is more involved. Hmm? Hmm? It's become much more nuanced, hmm? the happiness of Prem than that of Brahman realization. So... As Krishna is condensed Satchitananda, so the happiness of Prem is Sandrana means it's condensed. It's a little different than what's described in this verse. This is again one of the characteristics of Bhakti, of Prem Bhakti described in the first chapter. Here what's described is as condensed. That is the Sarup Lakshan or the primary characteristic of Prem is that is Bhava. Which, which has been discussed in the previous verse, the premon, the bhavankur, the, 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 you have the, the, the sprout of the bhav and the mature maturation of the bhav. So, two forms of the stai: the sprout, which is discussed in the previous chapter, and this is the chapter on bhav, and then the mature form. This is um, prem. So the condensation hmm, of bhava. Hmm. Many, many, many times condensed. This is the Sarupalakshan of Prem. It's supposed to describe that, Prem, that, that Baba was a ray of the sun of Prem. So if we were to compare the ray to the sun, hmm, Prem is extraordinary compared even to Baba, which is extraordinary. Hmm. And incidentally, which is a liberated condition to attain Baba. So. Prem is more, hmm. Bhav is more <laughs> than, the, than, the, than, the, than the Jivan, than what the Jivan Muktatmaram hmm, experiences, and um, and of course there are many examples in in the Scripture hmm, of this um, of the Kumaras of Sukadev, and we discussed this previously when we talked about how um, Bhav Bhakti makes light of, of liberation. So, a similar line of thought. Hmm. The happiness of Prem exceeds the happiness of all other forms of, 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 of transcendent um, joy of Ananda. Hmm. It is from Atmananda to Brahmananda to Bhaktiananda. So, different kinds of Ananda. Who would have thought of that but the Gaudias? <laughs> Ananda seems pretty final, hmm. it's as it's defined. But here we've got qualities of, of uh, quantitative differences of Ananda. So Prem as uh, the condensed form of happiness, just like Krishna is the condensed form of such Ananda. Hmm. Love has a shape. Prem has a shape, a form through which it. 
plays itself out, expresses itself. And it's the shape of Krishna and the corresponding shape of the devotee. The stai bhav is mature, and that's the bhava, the emotion, transcendent emotion that defines the devotee. And so the interplay of, of, of bhakti and lila between Krishna and his devotees. So, this one, and then the second one, what? Krishna Akarshani. Second characteristic of bhakti that is found in Prem, that's not found in Bhav Bhakti, that's not found in, in Sadhana Bhakti, is that Prem, having been attained, has the power to attract Krishna and his entourage. Hmm. This is very uh, extraordinary. Hmm. Uh, but it's another way of making a similar uh, point as to the excellence of Prem. Hmm. This is very well uh, reasoned by uh, uh, Rupa Um If the Atmananda, the joy of the self, does not have the power in and of itself to dispel completely the influence of Maya, the rounds of birth and death, then it's weak by comparison. Bhakti, on the other hand, as we often say, not only has the power to dispel the uh, material existence, liberate us from it, but in its in, in its full fullest manifestation as Prem, it has the power to overwhelm Krishna. So, what to speak of push aside Maya? It can overwhelm Krishna. That's extraordinary. Krishna Akarshini. He becomes attracted to Prem Bhakti. <laughs> so we should attach ourselves to Prem Bhaktas. Their songs, their ideas, their commentaries, hmm? their parampara, and so forth. Hmm? That's where Krishna can be found. So in this way, Rupa Goswami has described two characteristics of Prem in his first chapter, and here he's defined Prem, hmm? both in terms of its Swarup Lakshan, and that, and it's in its tatastalakshan, its principal characteristic and its marginal characteristic. Principal characteristic again is the condensation of bhava, of ecstasy. And the marginal characteristics described here are what they are: uh, that it causes in the devotee a sense of possessiveness, a very strong sense of possessiveness of the Lord, mamata. Hmm? That Krishna is, is mine, hmm? a minus. So, so from the my, that is miserable, of of material existence, whereby we attach ourselves to things and an identity, corresponding identity forms, hmm? to Krishna's mine. Hmm? Again, as I've said before. Bhakti is so natural. There is no artificial imposition. Uh, we're not talking about a self that's entirely different from anything we experience. The real self very much corresponds with the, the false sense of self. Um, and this is another way in which um, we make this point. 
that if an I, so to speak, forms out of a sense of my, when we attach ourselves to material things, and when we become develop a sense that Krishna is mine, then we have an identity in relation to him. Hmm. And the other characteristic is what that um, it, as Bhav does, and much more so, the Prem softens the heart. This characteristic of Bob and Prem, of the softening of the heart, um, is very important, and it, dis- it distinguishes very much bhakti from gyan and from yoga. Hmm. Renunciation, which is the way in gyan, does not soften the heart. It tends to make the heart harder. Hmm. While I say renunciation is the first step in loving, hmm, it's a rather, unto itself, it's a rather harsh love. Hmm? It's the loving of not taking, not exploiting, not participating in exploitation. Hmm? But unto itself, it, it has not uh, really much uh, uh, to give. Hmm? Prem, on the other hand, bhakti, on the other hand, is one of its characteristics. It makes the heart soft. Hmm? We uh, learned a little bit about this when we were studying the, the uh, uh, discussing the Srinit uh, Dev's Leela and the position of the Kumaras. Hmm. See, they became angry. Hmm. They did not have a soft heart. Hmm. The devotee is thinking, the enemy is my friend. What kind of a soft heart is that? Oh, you've come to remove, to be the vehicle through which my my, my karma that I'm due is exhausted. I, I have so much regard for you. Hmm. Very different than the typical Gyan who gets angry <laughs> from the suppression, if you will, of, of uh, uh, desire that renunciation unto itself constitutes. Bhakti's renunciation is in the context of, of loving Krishna. As we know, we give up things that are not favorable for Krishna's service, not favorable for bhakti. Hmm. So the softening of the heart is a very, is unique to bhakti. It's not there in yoga, sadhana either. Gyan, yoga, yoga is not about softening the heart. Hmm. I mean, it's the softening of the heart to, to an extent, but it's not described like this. Hmm. And... Uh, and it, it, again, it, it, by, it, by the effort in this, we can remove ourselves from exploitation and so forth, but that's very different than the course of bhakti. Hmm. So these things have been mentioned, and here, and this way, bhakti, prem bhakti, has been defined, which is this: the goal, hmm. the goal of sadhana is bhava, the goal of bhava is, is prem, and then there are higher states. Within Prem, Sneha, Man, Pranay, Raghana, all these things. And they will be discussed later in later chapters. Um, in the chapter on Stayibhav, where that's fully played out. Here in this chapter, after defining Bhakti, Rupa Goswami goes on briefly to say that this, defining Prem Bhakti, that this Prem Bhakti is, is attained by, by Bhava or by mercy. So as sadhana, as bhava is attained by, by bhava or by mercy, so 
brain, excuse me, by, as bhava is attained by sadhana or by mercy. So prem is attained by bhava, which is the result of sadhana or mercy, and or or by mercy of Bhagavan. So there are some examples of the mercy of Bhagavan, and there are some examples of um, those having attained bhava uh, by the cultivation of that, attaining prem in two types. The prem with sweetness and prem with majesty, prem of intimacy, prem of prem of uh, opulence, prem through rag bhakti and prem through um, vaidhi bhakti. Hmm? There's a nice verse that um, Rupa Goswami cites that's worth discussing here. Um, is, and he cites it uh, as, it's a, it's a well-known verse, as Godias should uh, be familiar with this verse, um, as an example of attaining bhava, hmm? oh, excuse me, attaining prem through bhava. Um, the reason that it's used in this way is from the first words, evam vratam svapriyanamakritya, you may know the verse. Jatanu rago dutachitta ujjai hasati atho roditi rotegayati ummanavan rittiti lokubhaya. Because the beginning of the verse says, having performed vows, hmm, tatra baidha, excuse me, evam vrata, svapriyanamakritya, evam vrata, having undergone vows. Now, Rupa Goswami has taken this to be indicative of Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm. It's an interesting point. Hmm. Prem through Vaidhi Bhakti. Having accepted vows. Of course, we accept vows. We are ragbhaktas and so forth. Um, but it, 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 it emphasizes the point that ragbhakti in a full face is really a spontaneous, as Prabhupada used the term, uh, flow of um, movement in the direction of Krishna without an afterthought, without a second thought. Hmm. So the full adhikar for ragbhakti this is very high. Mukundadas, Goswami, I should say, the another famous commentator on on the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, has said that with regard to Bhakti's rarity, Baba's rarity, that um, that the attainment of of eagerness and spiritual greed that uh, qualifies one to tread the path of Rag Bhakti is harder to attain than the. Um, Bhav of Vaidhi Bhakti, which is Sudhulava, very difficult to attain. So, um, it's uh, it's an interesting verse, and the verse is famous because, of course, it comes in Chaitanya Charitamrita Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, through the pen of Krishna Das Kaviraj Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, speaks this to the Vedantins in, in, the, in the seventh chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita Krishna begins a narrative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to Banaris to associate with Tapan Mishra and Chandrasekhar and there he meets Prakasananda Saraswati and so forth and uh, eventually he converts them and he converts them by going to their uh, ashram where he's invited and, and seating himself at the entrance and where the feet are washed and washing the feet and the sannyasis as they entered. This is our Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, showing extraordinary 
standard of humility. He had been criticized by Prakrishnanda for his emotional displays in public, bad enough in private for a sannyasi, which speak of publicly musical instruments and dancing in the streets and so forth. What kind of sannyasi is this? A very different kind, a very extraordinary kind, of course. Sannyas is a an anga of 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 gyan, so it's it's fair enough, in one sense, for Prakashananda Sarasati to to uh, to make his case. Hmm. The bhakti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, as we know, is a ploy. He he took sannyas because he thought by doing that, people would take notice of him, hmm. and um, and what he came to offer, and so forth. So it was a kind of a uniform of the times that caused a person to stand out and be thought of as one from whom one could get spiritual instruction. Hmm? So Prakasananda uh, said, what kind of sannyasi is this? It's a good, good question, <laughs> in a sense, because sannyasi is a limb of, of, of the Ganmarg and not of the Bhakti Marg, but Mahabharu embraced it. And, of course, in our modern time, Bhakti Siddhanta employed it for a similar way for the sake of preaching in the in 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 the modern world in in India. Hmm. Um have these Godias stand out and ride on elephants to the Kimbamewa and so forth like the Ganis and my buddies would would do it. Um, and speak Godia Vedanta hmm, and so forth. So this is what Mahabra was doing at this time. He spoke Gaudi Vedanta. Ultimately, they saw him there. They were touched by him, uh, his humility, and they saw his aura, which was basically what they were trying to attain, the effulgence of Bhagwan. And so, a teaching, a, te- a teachable moment was created. And Prakashan Saraswati inquired from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, "Come, we must your sannyasi, come with us. Don't sit there." And well, what is it about you that we find that we are attracted? Hmm? Although we've been critical and you seem to be conducting yourself in a non-standard way and so forth. Hmm? And Mahabrabhu then very humbly began to speak hmm, to the Vedantans and he said, My guru told me, Tumimukha, you're a fool. Hmm? You cannot study Vedanta. And rather, instead, what you should do is take the essence of all Vedanta, which is Krishna Nam, and chant the name of Krishna. So he, he gives a beautiful description of how he did that. Took the advice of his guru, he chanted the name of Krishna, and then it overwhelmed him and caused him to weep and to dance and to pass out and roll on the ground and all the things that are described in this verse. And he said, I returned to my guru, Ishwar Puri, and I said, what kind of mantra have you given me? Hmm. Hmm. Jiva Goswami in, in Bhakti Sandarbha says that Chaitanya Bhagwan, he said this, Shrota Mapi Upanishadam Dure Harikatamrita. Hmm. That the sounds of the Upanishads, Tattvamasi, Hambamasmi, Neti, Neti, and so forth. Dure Harikatamrita. These leave one very far from where Harikata can take one. Hmm. And Kampashru, Pulakadaya, all these things that are mentioned here in this verse. Yastasattvika Bikar. Hmm. Eight 
transformations of Bhava are described, mentioned in that verse of attributed by Jiva Goswami to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This can come from uh, Krishna Nam, not from chanting the sounds of the Upanishads. Rupa Goswami in his Namastakam says, Nikila Shruti Api, Api Ratnam. The sounds like, again, Zaphrisms, Tattvamasi, Neti Neti, they're light giving, like jewels. Hmm? shedding light in a dark night of material existence. But looked at carefully, we see, they are all seeking to cast a light on one sound of two syllables, Krishna. Hmm. This, is the, this, is, this, is the, this is the Mahalokya. Hmm. <laughs> Mahabhu argued, of course, later with Prakashnan, that the Tattva Masi was not the Mahabhokya, but Om, Pranava Omkar. That's hmm. a big philosophical argument, but in another sense, of course, the Omkar is coming from, uh, Pranava Omkar is thought to be coming from Krishna's flute. Hmm. So this sound, Krishna Rupa Goswami says, these jewels of the Upanishads, they're really seeking to shed light on the efficacies, the virtue, the glory of, of Krishna Nam. Pujapachita Maharaj once gave an example that there's a, there are places in the brain that if you touch the brain there, then you can't move your arm. Here you can't move your leg. And here a person will be paralyzed. So there are other ways by which you could try to control a person. Tie their hands, chain their legs, for example. But Krishnanam is like this. Press this one place and the whole body is paralyzed. Chant this one sound, and all the benefits that could come from any other practice and more will be attained. Hmm. So, uh, Mahabrabhu experienced this. He told his guru that, what kind of mantra you've given me? I'm rolling on the ground. It's causing me, it's making me mad. I think maybe I'm doing something wrong. Hmm? Uh, here in the text, in this chapter, um, it's explained that the nature of Prem and its happiness it, it's so extraordinary that pe- people can't understand it. People look at Prem Bhaktas and they see them weeping. Hmm? They're looking for somebody who's happy to follow. Hmm? And they find them weeping, for example. Despondent at times. So they can't understand them. And more so, the devotee himself or herself cannot understand hmm? what's happening to me. And Mahabharu reported this to his guru. He said, I can't understand what's happening. I'm losing it, so to speak. Hmm? I'm going mad, in other words. Hmm? It's something that, that doesn't look attractive on the surface. It is said... That prema bi, bi, what is it? Bhayabisha jalahoi bitrayanandamoy, Krishna preme, arbutacharit. The wonderful characteristic of Krishna preme is that it looks somewhat disconcerting on the outside, but inside it is anandamoy, filled with ananda, and the kind of ananda we've been describing. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, ultimately, 
course, his guru, Mahaprabhu says, he, he told him, you know, this, this is wonderful. This is the desired effect of this name. That you'll become mad and you won't care for what people say or think. Or I mean, everybody th- is concerned what other people will think of them on some level. Hmm? Completely oblivious to that. Hmm? Losing it, so to speak. Hmm? And that's what this verse says, that having performed vows, chanting the holy name of his beloved Lord, the devotee develops great attachment. His heart melts with ecstatic love. He laughs and cries very loudly or shouts. Sometimes he sings and dances like a madman for he's indifferent to public opinion. Hmm. So this verse was cited then, I think, Mahaprabhu said by his, by, his, by his guru, or maybe it's just cited by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami to substantiate the point hmm, that uh, what Mahaprabhu was describing, what he was describing with his pen, uh, the... the uh, Reply of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, be, to begin his discourse with the Vedantins. And then he, he showed, then he practically showed, despite his madness and so forth, there was a kind of a noetic bliss, so there's a knowing as well. And he knew without studying the Vedanta, all the Vedanta. Of course, he, said, he says in the Gita, I am the Vedanta. So, he did give a discourse on Vedanta, on Gaudiya Vedanta, and converted them all. I once heard um, a talk given by Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj, and uh, he was citing this uh, section of Chaitanya Charitamrita in the seventh chapter of the Adi Lila where Mahaprabhu begins his discussion with the Mayavadis in Banaras. And uh, he was making the point that simply by chanting, we can't study Vedanta uh, and uh, in, in this age and so on. So simply by chanting, all perfection will come. But I was impressed by the fact that he knew the whole chapter and he quoted every verse and and uh, the Pramana verses. And I thought, you know, there's quite a bit of Vedanta there. <laughs> I guess it came by chanting, <laughs> something like that. So it's not. A, I mean to say that it's not a. It, it's not um, to be emphasized in such a way as to discourage persons from learning and studying Gaudiya Vedanta. That will help us to have the, the faith and the determination, the conviction, to apply ourselves to Krishna Nam in such a way that. We, we find, I could have gotten all this just by chanting. Hmm. Something like that. So, a little help from our charges to convince us of this point, even though there are such extraordinary examples there in the history. Hmm. Mahaprabhu was not a, a student of the Vedanta. Hmm. So, this in this way, uh, in this chapter, very short, uh, uh, Rupa Goswami defines Prem. He gives ex- examples of how it's attained b- by Bhava, both in Vaidhi and in Raganuga. And um, and uh, he speaks the famous first two verses, Adho Shadha Tata Sadhu Sangha, that uh, Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur made his whole book, Madhuri Kadambani, out of different stages. 
because now he's talking about Prem Bhakti and it, it's the last and final stage from Shraddha, initial faith, to Sadhusanga, to Anartha Nivritti, giving up the unwanted things, to, to Nishta, where the Bhakti, the practice becomes steady, to Ruchi, where it becomes tasteful, Asakti, where it becomes an attachment, to Bhav and Prem. He says, there are many stages, but these are the basic stages. Vishwanath has gone through them as Vishwanath Chakritakur in Madhuryakadamani. In his Bhagavatam commentary, he's given 14 stages. So, I've said this before when devotees ask me sometimes about these things. It's, 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 these are general kind of handles to grab onto to get some idea. Hmm. They can be, uh, there's some, there plenty of gray in between. We really want to, like, arrest it and uh, capture it, so to speak. Um, and it's good to want to understand it properly, but it's it's an attempt to speak about something that's beyond word and thought, even the method, hmm? um, and the stages that uh, that uh, methodology brings us systematically through. So, um, anyway, those verses come here in this chapter, and at the end of the chapter, which is the end of this division, of the eastern division of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa, Rupa Goswami beautifully... Um, glorifies Sanatana Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, and Raghunathas Goswami in a verse that has double meaning. Hmm? Uh, a verse in which he offers his respect to the coward boy Krishna. Hmm? I think I'll read it in closing and um, we can get some feeling for that. How he felt. He's... His such a superlative devotee and his indebtedness to his contemporaries uh, of the time. He says, first he says that as he comes to the end, 20th verse of the chapter, Sri Sanatana Goswami, my master, has clearly described all the sweetness of the conclusions of bhakti in Brihat Bhagavatamrita though it is very esoteric. Nice reference from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to the seminal book, the first book of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Sanatana Goswami's Brihat Bhagavatamrita, whom he himself, of course, uh, attributes to an earlier date than an author other than himself, but has written a, a beautiful commentary on it. We tend to refer to it as Sanatana's, Sanatana's book. Um, so he shows deference to Sanatana Goswami as he does that, as he does at the beginning of the book here, in the end of this this section. It says, Gopal Rupa Shobham Dadhad Api Raghunath Bhava Vishtari Tushyatu Sanatanatma Pratama Vibhage Sudhambunide May the Eternal Lord, in the beautiful form of a coward boy, who distributes his mood of love to Ram and other forms, be pleased with this first part of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. This verse then can be translated in another way, so it has a, a hidden meaning in it. Hmm? Here is the second meaning. May the person named Sanatana Goswami, who glorified Gopal Bhatta Goswami and, and Rupa Goswami, this Rupa Goswami writing it, hmm? and bestowed Krishna Prem 
to Raghunathas Goswami, be pleased with this first section of the Ocean of Nectar. Shubha Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai Sanatana Goswami Ki Jai Gaur Bhaktivinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Any question? So you would say that um, Atmananda is synonymous with Jivan Mukti and, and Brahmananda would be Videha Mukti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a, a reflection uh, as far as the, um, that, um, <coughs> the statement about multiplying a trillion fold, which is mm-hmm. um, simple arithmetic. If we see it in light of your metaphor of the negative numbers, Mm-hmm. The material experience of the negative numbers, you get to zero, and arithmetic zero times a trillion is zero. Whereas zero point zero 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 one of prema will be necessarily far superior than point zero one of something is something. Zero is yeah. nothing. Right. Positive numbers far exceed the, the zero. As positive as it may be in comparison to negative numbers. That's a very beautiful idea, and it's very well um, supported from the uh, scriptural argument from Revelation, the Eastern Revelation. It's our standard of, of knowledge for entering into the, the world of bliss and love. Does it exist, the world of love? The world of meanness, is, the world certainly exists. <laughs> That's for sure. Is this all there is? Just the world of meanness, when everybody wants love, or do we think it doesn't exist? We cannot buy into that madness. I'm sorry. Just if you notice me uh, smiling, I was thinking that the Bhagavan feature can be uh, is a lot like cheese. Because if you have milk that's non undifferentiated, you get play an acid according to the, you know, you said that it's condensed or coagulated, such as that, and according to the level of the body, so according to the pH and the temperature, you get mozzarella from here, from marshmallow. Shantadasya, Sakya. That's all, yeah. Good example. Milk, Kijai. Shibakir Rasamrita Sindhu Gijai, Kauji Gopal Gijai, Samaruvan Gijai, Kaut Premanan Gijai.